0: This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas Hospital Association.
1: Welcome to another episode of Plain Spoken, a podcast of the Kansas Hospital Association. I'm Jennifer Finley, your host for this episode. And with me is Brian Sexton. Brian is the director for the Duke Center for Healthcare Safety and Quality at the Duke University School of Medicine. Uh, Brian, we're really happy to have you joining us.
0: I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Today we are going to talk about burnout and resiliency among healthcare workers. Uh, And as we get started on this topic, Brian, we ask you to join us for this conversation uh, because when I think of this particular topic, you immediately come to mind. I think of you as an expert, having heard numerous presentations from you over a variety of years, and really just want to talk, ask you because I'm curious what got you into this field of work. Who wakes up one day and says, "I want to study burnout and healthcare workers."
0: I know it's crazy, right? Uh, so my first job uh, out of my training was at Johns Hopkins. Uh, uh, looking at safety culture and things that predicted uh, clinical outcomes and operational outcomes and uh, I learned very quickly at Johns Hopkins how to get very very burned out and um, uh, it's an amazing place full of amazing people where um, you, 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 you just stand still and amazing opportunities come by all the time and it's very difficult uh, to say no you end up getting uh, too, in too deep to do many things and uh, I, I finally escaped Hopkins. Uh, people say it's better to be from Hopkins than at Hopkins. I would, I would agree uh, with that very much. Uh, but what I noticed is, is that as I was giving grand rounds or doing research projects, when I was uh, giving talks, um, whenever I would kind of veer into a topic related to stress or fatigue or well-being or burnout, People asked more questions. They kind of stood up straight. They wanted, they wanted to talk more about burnout than they did about, you know, safety culture and leadership and teamwork. So uh, I kind of was just listening to that and, and I, I created more content and I started giving you know talks just on that topic. And then before you know it, I'm applying for funding and we have a $3 million grant from NIH and we're running randomized controlled trials to show that we can cause burnout to go down in healthcare workers. So that's a long-winded way of saying. Um, I am someone who got very burned out. And when I was trying to understand what I was going through, I learned so many things that were interesting and amazing and helpful. And my my reaction was like, no one ever taught me this stuff. I'm a psychologist. How come no one's ever taught me this stuff before? Um, And and that was, if I was surprised, I decided to kind of put it into kind of a continuing education kind of format so that I could share that with others. And it was you know, well-received by people who kind of want to hear, oh, that's what that is. And this is what I can do about that. that's the long story.
1: Well, I think you're right, and you hit the nail on the head. It's a topic that everybody can identify with. So the fact that people respond uh, in that curiosity way when you start talking about it does not surprise me. Uh, I saw a recent statistic from Gallup, uh, looking back at 2020, which is, granted, recent, but it feels like decades ago in the world that we're in today. Uh, they're saying that worldwide, when they did their studies, seven in 10 people are considered struggling or suffering, uh, which is certainly higher than what we used to see when we would measure those kinds of statistics. Uh, I know when we talk about healthcare specifically, uh, we tend to find that picture or maybe even a little worse of a picture. What are the recent numbers you've seen around healthcare workers?
0: So the recent numbers are quite different from when the pandemic started versus when we were well into the pandemic versus when vaccines came out versus when there's a lot of pushback on the science around vaccines. And so it, a lot of things have changed over, you know, the past kind of year and a half. And uh, w- one of the things that was amazing to me was at the very beginning, oh, healthcare workers are heroes and let's celebrate our healthcare workers and let's, let's make sure that they have kind bars and pizzas and uh, let's let's make sure that we give them the respect that they deserve. And for a short while, it was interesting because a lot of hospitals ramped up to get ready to be kind of overrun with patients. And then that didn't happen at first for, in many places. And they, so what happened for many uh, uh, healthcare workers in kind of April and May of 2020 was um, there was a boost in meaning and purpose because there was recognition of the difficulty that they were undergoing without there being the demand that that came with that, that that was to come later. Um, So we actually measured, we have a really popular study called Three Good Things. So we have something like, you know, three or 400 people enroll in it every week. And so when we were looking at our week to week enrollments at the beginning of the pandemic, we actually saw the average burnout rate of people enrolling in our studies was going down at the beginning of the pandemic. And then it started to kind of go back up and up and up, and it just kept on going up again. So what happens, uh, we, we have a really big data set of like 50,000 healthcare workers from 2019, September of 2019, and also uh, from September of 2020. So this is before the pandemic and then during the pandemic, but before vaccines, So all right, so pre and during. And in that data set, we measured emotional exhaustion and work-life balance and a bunch of other things. And what we found was that for this huge sample of 50,000 healthcare workers, was that uh, emotional exhaustion went up significantly in every single healthcare worker role, except for one. Physicians. So burnout by September of 2020 had gone down in physicians, while burnout had gone up in every other role. I'm talking about nurses, aides and technicians and technologists and respiratory therapists and, you know, social workers, everybody. Um, administrative, you know, clinical and non-clinical people, it just it went up in everybody, but not for physicians. Um, and we don't have that same data yet from uh, September of, of 2021. But what we do have is user logs uh, in, in EMRs, uh, and we use Epic at Duke. And what we found is that the amount of time that our physicians were spending in the medical record in 2019 versus 2020, in 2020 went way down. They were spending a lot less time in the medical record in 2020. But in 2021, they're spending way more time in the medical record than they were in 2019. So if you put these different sources of data together, what we can see is that Uh, During the pandemic, burnout shot way up for everybody but physicians, but then physicians kind of caught up with everybody else in 2021. Uh, That's a a long way of saying burnout was bad before, it's worse now, but it affected different roles in different ways, and to be really fair, it has impacted our nurses more than any other group, and and they have really uh, uh, been dealt more than their fair share of of kind of you know, blows to the chin on their well being uh, relative to other groups in healthcare right now.
1: That is uh, fascinating about the physicians. You know, we always joke about how bad electronic health records are and how much physicians despise them. Um, but I would have never expected to see that kind of an impact simply because they didn't have to interact with them. So that's just an interesting little side note that I'm going to file away. Um, I guess we can use that to lobby sometimes for changes on that whole process and requirement.
0: That's always the best way.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So we know that we need to address this issue. Um, Certainly for the short-term effect of, we simply all need to feel better. But we also know that there are some bigger picture reasons that we wanna take a look at this burnout and start to address and become more resilient as healthcare workers uh, Gallup has a new book out that I just finished reading called Wellbeing being at Work uh, and it talks a lot about how to build thriving teams and it's more of an organizational focused book um, but really talks about how to overall uh, become a happy thriving person and how well-being plays into that um, overall equation of happiness and they talk about five different elements that come into this bigger picture of being a thriving person. There's career well-being, social well-being, financial well-being, physical well-being, and community well-being. And they talk about how, as an individual, you need to have, um, be thriving in all of these areas in order to overall globally uh, be happy. They also talk about some big risks to derail this notion of everybody moving towards becoming happier and more thriving. And at the top of the list of their risks is employee mental health. Which is, again, why I think this particular issue, uh, while we're all in the middle of it and feeling it, is an issue that we've got to continue to keep on the forefront, even as we move out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And so I guess that just leads us to that simple question of, uh, we all think we've been burned out or maybe touched burnout, but what is burnout, really? Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I, I appreciate this question very much because uh, I've as I've spoken on uh, you know, KHA webinars in the past about uh, my daughter asked me uh, a long time ago, Daddy, Daddy, you are always talking about burnout. Burnout, 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 burnout. What is burnout, Dad? Uh, and I tried to give her the kind of ivory tower like nonsense, like psychobabble, stupid response Where I'm like, well, honey, burnout is comprised of emotional exhaustion and depersonalization and a diminished sense of personal accomplishment. You're not really following daddy, are you? She says, Nope. So I'm like, well, honey, burnout is what happens when it gets really, really difficult to notice that something is funny or interesting or amazing. Burnout is what happens when it gets difficult to feel hopeful or to feel grateful or to feel inspired. And she says, oh my gosh, daddy, that is so boring. I used to tell everybody that you worked at Duke and I'm not telling anybody that anymore. That is exactly what my then seven-year-old told me. Um, But this definition of burnout was something that we've since published. We've worked on that really burnout. Uh, You can give the official kind of Christina Maslach definition, which is technically how people have been talking about burnout for a long time. I don't find it very helpful to kind of use psychobabble terms. And I really like just saying, look, burnout is the impaired ability to experience positive emotion." It's hard to feel hopeful or grateful or inspired or interested in what's right in front of you when you're burned out. And if you use that as your framework, you can do all kinds of interventions, which I'm sure they talk about in that Gallup book, all kinds of interventions that are designed to bring joy back or gratitude back or hope back in ways that are meaningful and fulfilling. And some people can go too far. Don't get me wrong. I know that the joy at work stuff can be can be overblown. Uh, There can be way too little and way too much of of that particular. But that's one Of 10 positive emotions that we focus on, including things like uh, inspiration and a sense of serenity or peace on the world around you, uh, gratitude or hope or humor. And there's lots of ways that you can cultivate those positive emotions that that actually help to uh, bounce back from being in a, in a dark place. And so I think it's our job as people that do with quality improvement and patient care. And part of our job is to make sure that we are the light in the darkness for others. And that means using some of these techniques that bring, um, in some, some cases, it's levity. In some cases, it's the, oh, that's pretty cool. Show me that again, kind of factor. And we've got a webinar coming up with KHA just on, on awe and wonder, how to cultivate awe and wonder. And I got to tell you, our physicians in particular love this because one of the first positive emotions to leave the building when you get burned out as a physician is just to feel amazed by the world around you. And this is an attempt to kind of bring that back and let them sit with that. And uh, the responses that we've gotten to that tool have just been really, really positive. But that's just one example of how to cultivate those um, those the things that make it difficult. You're, we're talking about how to fertilize the soil, really, so that people can um, have better uh, flourishing and better Better well being uh, during a global health crisis.
1: So, one of the things I've always appreciated about the tools that you provide is how easy they are to accomplish. Um, you know, when you start thinking about this topic and you listen to things that you talk about and think about it from a psychological perspective, you imagine it's going to be some complex, difficult thing to get your arms around to start to tackle. And it really truly can be as simple as writing down three good things that happen to you every night before you go to bed. And I'll tell you, that's probably one of my favorites. Um, I've heard you talk about it several times. We as a team here in the education department at KHA took it on last summer and decided we are in control of our own fate and we are going to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to get burned out because we need to be here for our members. So every day at our daily staff meeting, we made sure we reminded each other for um, the 15 days to journal our three good things. Uh, So that one has been really impactful for us and has really helped us. Um, But I know that you have lots of simple things. So can you talk about maybe one of the other things that folks could try if they're wanting to do something to start feeling better?
0: Yeah, um, uh, we have, uh... We used NIH funding uh, to generate uh, 19 different bite-sized well-being interventions that are all on our website. They're all free. None of them are an app. People seem to think that this is an app. It's not an app. Uh, uh, it's, it's just you enroll in one of our cohorts. Uh, we will text you every day for a week, and then we'll leave you alone. But in those, t- in those reminders, uh, what, we, what we do is we give you a small like one- or two-minute task that you can do every day um, that will recharge your batteries, put a little bit more into your bucket, help you to have, make better food choices, make, make better choices about when you go to bed and, and how you spend your time. And so it's those little nudges that can make uh, lasting improvements because we just don't have the initiation energy right now to learn how to meditate or to start running marathons or to, or to become a yogi. I and mean, those are great things if you were doing that before uh, the world was on fire, but yeah, this, isn't, this is not really the time to go learn a new life skill unless you've got a lot of free time set aside to do that. Um, so the other tools that we have um, are, we have one for how to cultivate self-compassion. We have one for mindfulness. We have one for sleep. We have one for uh, work-life balance. Um, there's, the, we have, there's 19 total, but the one that I really like right now, given where we are in the pandemic, um, is uh, how to cultivate hope. How to, how to make your muscle stronger to be able to look forward to things without all the doom and gloom and kind of the the dark cloud that that, uh, that, that looms above it. And and that tool, uh, we call it the looking forward tool, uh, is really popular right now and it's really effective uh, right now, given where we are. Because uh, you need to be able to to envision, now that we're on the off ramp from the pandemic, and that off ramp turns out to be a lot longer than we thought it was gonna be. Uh, but now that we're on the off ramp, we have to be able to envision a, a tomorrow that is gonna be better than today. And that is where people get lost a lot of times. Oh my gosh, today's terrible. Yesterday was terrible. Tomorrow's gonna to be terrible. It's never gonna work. Nothing's ever gonna improve. we're gonna be stuck in these masks. We're gonna be, be stuck in this you know political tumult. And we're gonna be stuck in this division kind of forever. And it's just like, no, not forever. Um, and this tool is designed to help people um, uh, cultivate thinking about the future in ways that are uplifting rather than in ways that are kind of um, triggering anxiety and and, and thoughts of of doom and gloom.
1: So that's intriguing. Say I want to try, how do I go find the information to try out this technique or any of the techniques that you talked about?
0: Sure, well, I'll give you two links. One, uh, one website where we have all of our tools in one place with a description of how long it takes and what it is, and you can kind of look through the menu, uh, is hsq.dukehealth.org. So hsq, for healthcare, safety, and quality, hsq.dukehealth.org forward slash tools. Uh, that is our website with all of our tools in one place. It's all free. It's all evidence-based. It's all, this is, this is all stuff that we did with our NIH funding. Um, the tool that I just spoke about, the, the looking forward tool for cultivating hope, you can get access to that 24 hours a day on demand at uh, just type into your browser where you would put in kind of like a website, just type in bit.ly forward slash forward tool fwdtool, and it'll take you straight to where you can uh, start it right away. You can start today if you're interested if you're listening to this podcast right now you can you could do that before the podcast is even over. Uh, you can could, you could check that out. But uh, there's 19 of those on the website, and, and there's more to come. We're, we're actually working on several more right now.
1: So say I do a couple of these, how do I really know if it's working? You know, is it just that I start to feel better, or is there something more profound that's supposed to happen to me?
0: That is a great question. Uh, So we measure burnout using a a five-item scale called emotional exhaustion. And uh, we have a a free tool that you can use 24 hours a day uh, also uh, set up to give you feedback about what your burnout score is. Sometimes if you want to lose weight, you got to step on the scale and look at your numbers. Uh, You're welcome to do that whenever you want. Uh, And that is another resource that we have. And and that's uh, at bit.ly forward slash year of well-being. It's all lowercase year of Well Being. there's no hyphen. Um, And uh, uh, that will give you, you'll answer these five questions about burnout. You'll hit submit and it'll say, you know, Jennifer, here's your burnout score relative to 135,000 other healthcare workers. Here's your benchmark, here's your severity level. And it just gives you the numbers. Uh, It'll also email you a copy of that. So you have that for your records Uh, and that will give you your number. And if you wanted to do that before and after kind of uh, trying something for yourself you're welcome to do that. We, we actually offer that feedback in many of our interventions where we say, here's your burnout right now, and then you do a gratitude exercise, and then we'll show you your burnout after the gratitude exercise so you can look at your pre and your post. We have a lot of different um, uh, resources like that, but you can use the Year of well-being link to look at your burnout anytime.
1: That's cool. I did not know that was out there. <clears throat> I'm going to go check out and see what my burnout score is because I don't think I'm burned out, but you never know. I might find out different.
0: You might That's- be the one person right now, Jennifer.
1: I might be, you never know. (laughs) So we know that this is an important issue. Uh, And just to underscore why we think folks need to take a breather and really start to address this and and to really look inward and help themselves a little bit while we're all busy helping everyone else. What really happens if we don't start to address this? And if people don't look inward and start to help themselves?
0: Well, I, I think you're already seeing the beginnings of that unfold right now with staffing levels uh it's hitting our rural hospitals really badly right now Uh, people are just you know i've got to go this is my chance to make some real some real money right now as a traveling nurse and so uh and and it's heartbreaking to go to to watch that you also see uh that happening not just in rural hospitals but across the board we we just made the decision at duke in our covid units to pay our nurses traveling rates so that we can keep them in our covid units Uh, these are very dark times for healthcare. And it's not always gonna look like this, um, but what you're, what you're seeing right now is uh, when you don't have an obvious path of escape from your current predicament, you're gonna go with what you've heard of in the past, which is I'm gonna get out of this current role. And so we're seeing this mass exodus of our workforce and that's gonna make it so much more difficult for everyone else who's kind of left behind. Uh, to continue doing it with with fewer uh you know hands on deck um, that's the beginning of something that can only get worse uh, if we if we just can continue to say well we're gonna we're gonna fix the system one day we're gonna fix the system and we're you know we're not gonna have to worry about this anymore well we have to do two things uh really right now we have to fix the system right now in every way we, we reasonably possibly can and for the, for the half of the workforce, for the 11 million healthcare workers in the United States that are drowning in the water right now, they need a life preserver. They need a bite-sized strategy right now. And we also have to fix the system. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And that's what gets lost i think in some of the the debates and arguments and social media and people are looking for a sound vibe and they want to sound like provocative and they want to get some likes it's like man that's not helping don't don't do that just because you're to get some likes on twitter uh, or you want people to kind of promote your post or whatever that's that is really destructive we we have to do both we have to help the people in the water and we have to make sure that the system is better engineered so that next time we deal with another variant or another pandemic, we are we are better suited, right? Uh, to, to to address those challenges because this one hit us at a time when we weren't, we, we didn't have solid footing already with our well-being as a workforce. So we're we're feeling the repercussions of that every day. That's a long answer. <laughs>
1: That's a great answer. And I think it really underscores where a lot of folks find themselves today. We're all in this together. Um, We've all got to work together and help each other figure out how to find that light at the end of the tunnel. And this is just one of those simple things that everyone can do uh, to start down that journey. So I hope we've inspired folks listening today to go check out the resources to do something proactive to start to improve themselves, which collectively, once we all feel better, the organization as a whole is going to start to feel better. And then that can spill out into the community and others. So it's a good first step in in helping us move out of this pandemic uh, and at least maybe some of the emotional impacts of this pandemic. Um, As Brian said, we've been doing, uh, through the entire year, a webinar series featuring some of his concepts. We have one more session coming up on December 16th. Uh, If you were unable to participate in the others, didn't know about them, somehow missed them, the good news is you can still catch up. So just contact the KHA Education Department. We can get you access to those recordings. And then you can join us in December for this final session. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you for taking time out of um, a busy schedule, just like everyone else. I know you're really busy right now, so we appreciate you taking time to share some thoughts with us. Um, I, I found it a really interesting conversation.
0: Thank you, Jennifer. I really appreciate you offering these resources to your members.
1: So for everyone listening, we want to say thanks for taking the time. Uh, We're going to challenge you to go out and give some of this well-being activity a try. Uh, And then be on the lookout for future episodes of Plainspoken wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for joining us.
0: For more information on Kansas health issues, go to kha-net.org.